the best advice anybody can give you is um, kind of two things that go hand in hand. It's less is more, and you can take that in any sense of the meaning when it comes to the wrestling world. And then also, you know, remember the acronym KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. If it gets too complicated, you've gone too far. What's up, everybody? This is Fred Ricciani of TSC. We have right here on the line a very special guest. He is prepping for a big match. He is always ready, and he's going to be wrestling at the always ready National Wrestling Alliance NWA pay-per-view June 11th on Fight TV. We are talking to the man they call the big, the strong Matthew Mims. Mims, thank you so much for the time. How's everything going? Oh, it's going good, man. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great, and I'm feeling ready i'm feeling ready <laughs> you're something a lot, a lot of people have high praise for and rightfully so but let's focus on the task at hand here my friend you're yeah. facing a guy by the name of tyrus aka brodus clay longtime veteran he is the reigning defending tv champ and you are going for that gold can you tell us about this huge opportunity in your career and uh, what you expect in this match Oh, yeah, it's a huge opportunity. I mean, in in the first place, getting the opportunity to go up against somebody like Tyrus. I mean, like they said, he's he's not he's not just a he's not just a man. He's beyond that. He's not just a monster. He's beyond that. He's he's a manster, as uh, Austin Idol kept saying. And uh, having the opportunity to not only go up against Tyrus once last year around uh, I think March 2021, but then to have another opportunity to go at him while he's holding the NWA Television Championship, my favorite, personal favorite championship. So this is also a very big deal to me. And uh, being able to have the opportunity to take that from around his waist. I- I've never seen him wear it around his waist, but around his waist. You know, it's a, it's a big opportunity for me to come in and, and not only get to challenge him, but even before that, slamming him on a big stage like NWA Power, being able to slam him in that Monster Slam challenge, that was ridiculous. That was one of the biggest moments of my career. I couldn't even hear myself think. I couldn't hear a single thing in that studio. We don't have big audiences in those studios. Not a lot of room. But that studio came unglued. I couldn't hear a single thing. Nobody could hear anything. I just see people standing up, cheering, and lots of noise going on. And then knowing oh, that same feeling of getting that crazy reaction, knowing that, hey, I'm going on to challenge for my personal favorite title in the NWA. It's a, it's a great feeling, man. From the jump since you appeared in NWA TV, that you've had a special connection with these fans. Why do you feel like they gravitate so much toward you? Uh, I feel like I'm somebody that uh, I'm pretty relatable. I I feel like uh, the person that I am in the ring is exactly who I am outside of the ring. I mean, sometimes it's turned up to 11, but most of the time, like, bro, this is just Matthew in that ring. This is just Matthew Mims up in that ring. It's not just big, strong Mims. That's not just a persona. That's not just some character that I put on like some people do. No, it's literally exactly who I am. So I'm being myself out there. So people feel like they know me. And in essence, you kind of do know somebody like me, not somebody exactly like me. I'm still I still like to think of myself as larger than life, but I'm still relatable. I'm I'm the goofy friend that you have that's big enough to kick anybody's ass. And I'm actually doing it. Every journey has to start somewhere. So before you got to NWA, before you got to Indies, before you started challenging for titles, how did wrestling come into your life? Uh, wrestling came into my life. Um Pretty, pretty early on, you know, uh, just flipping channels. That's really my biggest experience with getting turned on to wrestling in the first place. And then uh, just the influences from the people around me that also love wrestling. There's a lot of people around me that that love wrestling, uh, even though my main influence was with my mother. She absolutely hated it when I was growing up. Uh, my cousin, he was uh, he's also 
he's he's not only my roommate, but he also works in the NWA with me, but he works behind the camera. Uh, Mark was a big WCW kid. I was a WWF kid, even though I didn't get permission to watch it. He always got permission to watch WCW as much as he wanted to. And I always hear him talk about it every time we saw each other. Besides him trashing the Super Nintendo and saying how the Genesis was better, he'd always talk about how WCW was the greatest thing he's ever seen and talking about all his favorite wrestlers. And still to this day, he's still that big of a nerd about it. He's always pitching things he's seen from WCW. Hey, bring in this WCW guy. Uh, but really where the biggest influence came in was uh, jumping from the the first moment that I was like, okay, I'm in love with professional wrestling, which was seeing Triple H's return from that quad tear, seeing that reaction he got, and me kind of saying, dude, I want that exact same thing. But to further it even more um, – you know, a lot of people go through their lives and they can say, I have this best friend, that best friend, this best friend. And, you know, that doesn't always mean exactly what what people say. You know, they, they, they put a lot of stock in that phrase. And I met my best friend who also throughout my time on the Indies and even through training, uh, he was my tag partner. These uh, I've been very close friends with uh, if you have seen him on the show, Migs, uh, Miguel Robles. Uh, he's actually the one that inspired me to be a part of professional wrestling because I always wanted to do that, but I had no idea how to do that. And his direct influence was actually from Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho told him, hey, you want to get trained, man? Go up to Landstorm's Academy in Canada and go get trained the right way. He told him that in sixth grade. And the guy stuck with it the rest of his life until we were old enough, hopping out of college, and he was like, hey, I'm going to do this wrestling thing. And so one big conversation between us and him letting me know more about wrestling and kind of opening my eyes to more things in wrestling uh, got us both to agree this is what we're going to do. And I made a promise to myself, hey, I'm going to make any sacrifice possible. I'm going to do whatever I possibly can to not only be a professional wrestler, but be the best one around. Climb my way to the top, scratch and claw, whatever I have to do. And this was all the way back in 2013. This is five years before I started getting trained. So really, if anything, I owe a lot of it to – Still my best friend after, what, it's been 12 years now? Yeah, I would also <laughs> to Migs, man. Who really kind of got you started? Uh, really, obviously, like Crimson, he's always been my biggest more, uh, mentor. Uh, we we actually met back in 2017, so I worked for him, like as a security guard, ring crew, stuff like that, uh, for his promotion here in Clarksville, uh, tried and true pro, tried and true pro wrestling. And I remember I literally quit my job for it. Quit one of the best paying jobs I ever had just to go and work security and make zero dollars and zero cents. And so Crimson went ahead and opened up a school just a year later. Uh, and he went ahead and let us meet our very first trainer, which was one of my favorite guys to watch on Trident Review Pro Wrestling every time I'd come to the shows, Jeremiah Plunkett, who is now with the NWA. And what was a great honor for me is I got to do something for him that he kind of did for me. He was my very first match. Whenever we completed our basic training, 12 weeks of training, uh, definitely something new, I got to face Jeremiah Plunk at the student show that we had for our school. And he got to break me into the business. And then when it came to Jeremiah Plunkett coming to the NWA, you would never guess who his first match was, this guy right here. So uh, Jeremiah Plunkett was the guy who broke me into the business. Uh, we, had a, we had a training structure that was three-tiered. So you'd come to your beginner's training. You'd go through Jeremiah Plunkett. And uh, you'd have, as he's known on TV, Danny Deals, a.k.a. Anthony Lucasio. He'd be the one to uh, – he'd sprinkle in his advice, his sage words, and actually help out a lot in my training throughout all the courses I've been in. Um, after you get done with Plunkett, you'd go up to Crazy Steve. 
And then after Crazy Steve, uh, you go up to Tom Latimer. And he was the one that I've trained under the most because I've been training under Tom for at least a year or so. My training's been going on for over like two years, man. You, you mentioned quitting your job. So in the previous Matthew Mims multiverse, what was your career path? <laughs> uh, honestly, um, <laughs> what I went to college for is not what I ended up doing. It was such a like weird, complicated thing. I wanted to be a sociologist. And then by the time I got to my last few years of college, I was like, ah, I'm just going to be a personal trainer. And I never did the personal trainer thing uh, outside of, you know, helping out a few friends get big and strong or whatnot. Um, But honestly, I had a lot of jobs and a lot of skills developed with technology. So uh, cell phones, tablets, uh, video game consoles, pretty much anything I was willing to tinker around with. And I could tell you a million five things about and so that's where a lot of my career experience was. And, uh, you know, I didn't really get to use the muscles too much in my job. I was the guy who always got approached no matter where I was uh, in whatever tech job that I had. And somebody be like, dude, you're too big to be here. What, <laughs> what are you doing playing with phones, man? You don't need to be teaching me about this newest Samsung. You need to be body slamming somebody. Wow. So, so it must have kind of been like a, a recurring theme, right? A motif in your life. Like, okay, like I got to do this wrestling thing. And people were mentioning some, you know, to you, maybe subconsciously, like, what are you, like, what are you doing here, man? And, oh, you're so big. Like, and like, was it always kind of in the back of your mind or did you just like, was it just on the back burner until you met your best friend? Uh, honestly, there was always something in the back of my mind. Uh, like when it came to sports, I've played sports for years. Honestly, like I've either been in baseball, football, wrestling, track, uh, <laughs> soccer even for a very short time uh powerlifting obviously and then and then I, I don't know if i've already mentioned wrestling but actual amateur wrestling i've been doing that since i was a young young child so i've never really had a point that i wasn't playing some sort of sport i had my time occupied with something and i always felt like yeah i'm good at all these things uh, some of them not so great i'm terrible at basketball <laughs> but i thought that with all those things being good at them, they still weren't something that I was passionate about. It was still something that was kind of missing. And my grandfather was kind of another big influence on that because he was just like, well, you haven't found your thing yet. No, you may be good at football, but you haven't really found your thing yet. You may be good at this amateur wrestling, but, you know, are you really passionate about it? And so once I got into professional wrestling, that was kind of the thing. It it didn't click until that match with Jeremiah Plunkett. Literally walking out as nervous as I was that day. I had peed 16 times, didn't have a single drink, anything to drink that day, and peed 16 times before that match. And once I walked out that curtain, then it finally clicked what it was. Something that not only am I good at and I have a good time doing it, but also I feel that passion that's been missing. That's something that's just always been missing my entire life through whatever athletic thing I did. This is, it was that aha moment. Like I found it. How does it feel for you to be a young guy with a sort of kind of fast rise to the top and NWO being one of their homegrown stars? Uh, It feels pretty good. I mean, if anything, like I can definitely give that compliment to Billy Corgan that he has an eye for talent. Uh, I'm not even just talking about myself. I mean, obviously we talked about Thunder Rosa, we talked about Ricky, and then look at the rest of the roster that we have in the NWA. These are all either future stars or people who are established stars, and all they're doing is continuing to grow. I mean, if anything, like, uh, let's say, for instance, Trevor Murdoch. Trevor Murdoch was somebody who I was a big fan of him as a kid or, well, hated him when he was a bad guy, you know, and then they finally did something that, you know, some people wouldn't have taken a chance on and some people didn't with making him world champion. And that was one of my favorite stories to watch. Even like, 
even as another wrestler sitting in that locker room, being able to understand what's going on there and then seeing him rise up and win that championship. Again, this kind of goes to show that same eye for talent that Billy Corgan has when he trusts in you, he's trusting in you for a reason. He knows that you have it. And so it's, it's great to feel like somebody trusts in me and they know that I have that it factor that I have the talent to push myself further and that no matter where I go, I can still be a star given the room to grow. How different is it performing in a studio versus performing in front of a live crowd? Would you like one over the other or are both like challenging in their own ways? Like how, how's it different? Honestly, it feels very similar. I mean, with the studios, you know, we're not going to have as many fans. It's going to be anywhere between uh, let's say anywhere between like, 50 to 80, depending on the size that we have in the studio. And, you know, we like that very intimate studio feel as opposed to maybe the most being like 300, 400 people stuffing them in to whatever studio we're in. And you get to have a taste of both because you see the pay-per-views that we do. Usually the big pay-per-views we do, we do about locations where we can get a lot more people in, more people can enjoy what we have going on because when we're in those studios, dude, we sell out all the time. We're telling people, hey, you can't come because we don't have enough room for this. We only have oh so many people. We can't give you duplicate tickets because we can't have you in there multiple days or something like that. We're trying to keep them on a first-come, first-served basis. And honestly, the big difference is usually the noise. It's usually the, the, the noise. The fan engagement is always there. If anything, on an intimate setting, there might be even more of it because they know for a fact you're going to pay attention to them. I'm just in the second row, and there's only two or three rows here. If I'm calling you out, you're going to pay attention to me. You're not going to be able to ignore me. If it's a big crowd, let's say we're in, in front of like a WWE-sized crowd, you got one guy who's being a complete jerk who's saying this and saying that and heckling everybody who comes on stage. Well, I can ignore that guy. He's not that loud. He's in a sea of thousands. But when you've just got, let's say, like, you know, people in the tens or people in the hundreds and this guy is pretty loud in this building, you've got to kind of incorporate that there. So I, if anything – I like that big difference of having a more intimate setting because if anything, you're forced to engage those fans even more. And that's the lifeblood of our business is these fans and the engagement you have with them. Matthew Mims wrestling in his home state of Tennessee in the biggest match of his career. Can you just describe that? Oh, it's a great feeling. I mean, if anything, like it's, it's great to be able to come home and wrestle, but it's great to, to, to already be home in a wrestle. I'm not too far from home. It's just about three or four hours out. And to be able to know that my people are going to be there or people that are in the same state as me, other, other independent wrestlers may even be there to kind of see what we have going on in middle Tennessee, as opposed to East Tennessee, because I don't know if you knew this, uh, when it comes to Tennessee Indies, the biggest scene is in East Tennessee, hands down. That is the biggest scene. Nashville and the Middle Tennessee market is is another big one, but definitely Knoxville has it. The East Tennessee market, all those people coming in from North Carolina, all those people like moving and shaking from East Tennessee, those people usually get notarized and, and, and well, they get noticed more than everybody else. I mean, obviously you see it in the NWA now, we're starting to bring in some of those talents from East Tennessee. Uh, Gustavo, AJ Kazana, uh, Kinsey Page, Ella Envy, all those people from around that area. And these are some of the best talents we have in Tennessee. And I'm able to go over there to their side of Tennessee and be like, hey, you know, we got some we got some pretty heavy hitters over here in, uh, in Middle Tennessee. You guys don't have all the talent. We always like to ask our guests some kind of random rapid fire questions just to get to know them better. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. All right. Always. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. Favorite late night snack or cheat meal? Pizza. Pizza all day. Pizza. What kind of pizza? Oh, meat lovers, man. I got to have the uh, meats. Big meaty man needs all the meat. All yes. Right. 
All right, there you go. I, li- I like that. All-time favorite wrestler? Triple H. All-time favorite match? Uh, it would actually be the... I would say it'd probably be like the fatal four way or no, no, it was a, it was a three, it was a three way tag. Uh, WrestleMania 21. No, no, no. <laughs> I always forget the date of that match. I'll just go with one of the matches that I know are one of my favorites. And I actually know one of the dates of it is a SmackDown match between Los Guerreros and the world's greatest tag team. Absolutely loved it. Oh, hell yeah. World's greatest tag team. I feel like is is just so underrated. Even now I know Sean Benjamin's still on TV, but him and Charlie Haas were just so, such an incredible tag team. Oh, yeah. Big fans of theirs. And obviously Los Guerreros, too. I'm a big Chavo yeah. fan, big Eddie fan. Who isn't? Yeah, definitely. Hey, maybe one day you can work with Chavo. Oh, if I'm lucky. If I'm lucky. <laughs> Favorite opponent? Mike Knox. Any reason why? Honestly, that was, at the time, and still now, to me, that was probably my most sentimental match. My... uh that was probably my breakout moment as like coming up as a star in the NWA, the promo that I cut, it was heartfelt. It was uh, my promo about Pope and then about Matt Cardona and Mike Knox and them starting their reign of terror in the NWA and the following match afterwards. That's boy. I almost cried in that promo and those were real tears. I almost cried at the end of that match. That was a gut wrencher. And if you haven't checked it out, you definitely need to get on fight TV and check that one out. You mentioned the Pope. You've seen with him before. What was that like? Oh, it was the greatest feeling in the world. Dude, I got to literally have a dream match. It wouldn't have mattered who the opponent was as long as I was tagging with Pope because when I was a kid, I used to watch him on TV. Same thing with Knox. That's another reason why it was one of my favorite matches. Um, You know, getting the team with Pope was, it was a surreal experience because honestly, that's not something I ever thought I'd be able to do. A lot of people that I work with at NWA, it's literally a dream come true. I'm sharing a locker room with a lot of my heroes and a lot of people that shaped a lot of who I am as a professional wrestler and then also as a fan. So it's amazing. Yeah, that's, a, that's amazing. Yeah, I was a bit, as I told you off the air, but I was a big Elijah Burke fan growing up. I enjoyed his work in ECW, and he was awesome in, in TNA's D'Angelo De Niro. It's really cool to kind of see this resurgence of a lot of these guys that maybe were written off at one point and now are in NWA and you know, still have a lot to offer. Oh, yeah. Like I said, it's that eye for talent that Billy has. So he's making a lot of people's dreams come true, not only the wrestlers he's bringing back, but you know, big fanboys like myself. <laughs> I have to ask then, because you mentioned how like you know Billy has brought back a lot of these guys that were on TV before. Mm. Has have you ever participated in the Master Lock Challenge in a locker room or two? Oh no, I have not. I have not. If anything, like Chris Masters is probably well, Chris Adonis. Let's let me correct myself. Being a bit of a fanboy and calling him by his old WWE name, uh, he's probably one of the most chill dudes in the locker room. I mean, if anything, like sometimes you wouldn't know he's there just because like the guy is so laid back. Like a lot of the other guys in the locker room, like he's one of the quietest guys here too. I didn't really expect that. You know, he seemed like a big, uh, such a big like jockey guy. You know, you would think he'd be the loudest, like biggest party animal, especially from his persona in like WWE. And honestly, no, dude's just super nice and he's super chill. It's, it's kind of a surprise. I thought more people would be getting in the Master Lock Challenge or something back there. And he's kind of become an unlikely TikTok star too. I don't know if you've seen it. He does like the duets of the people that like try the Master Lock at home. Oh, yeah. I've seen one recently. Uh, The last one I've seen was right before before he posted it, the one he did for the uh, Master Lock Challenge. Somebody had a really great one. I think, like, JTG came up and showed him, like, somebody was doing a Master Lock Challenge. And then I actually, like, uh, got to see him watch it. And he had a genuine reaction. And I was just like, dude, this is great. I love the feeling that he's getting from this. And I'm I'm a little jealous. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Hey, well, you know what? Maybe you could could challenge him one day or just do it. Or, you know, we'll hop on TikTok and Reels, you know. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely check that out. 
away from the ring what are your favorite mm-hmm. hobbies uh video games i'm a huge video game nerd huge video game nerd if anything uh right before this interview i was probably playing overwatch uh either get my butt kicked or kicking some butt uh video games are a huge part of my life uh that starts off with my grandfather he bought me my first console when i was like five or six years old bought me a super nintendo i still have it to this day still have the games that i got with it i got uh <laughs> killer instincts and donkey kong country 2 i still have the controller he got me it's got a big old crack in it but it still works perfectly fine nobody has touched that controller but me since i first got it it is one of my most important possessions because my grandfather was like a very important person to me throughout my entire life even to the time that he passed away and even still now uh he's a big driver in the force that i have with professional wrestling even though you know it wasn't his favorite thing in the world but yeah he was always a big fan of hard work so I'm sure he would approve no for sure man Gra- grandparents are, are are definitely gems appreciate them all the way happened which obviously you did in in terms of uh, video games what's your go-to console right now uh it's still my xbox series x man like I'm, I'm always on it. If anything, if I'm not like sitting here watching television through it, then I'm probably playing video games on it. And nine times out of ten, I'm playing video games. I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. Uh, <laughs> plus, it has the best value in gaming. Uh, like not trying to, not trying to show here, but you know, Games Pass, man. Like yeah. Game Pass is the best. Yeah, I'm a Game Pass subscriber since day one. You know, you get the EA Play with it as well. It's, it's. It, See, it is all. It is awesome. Yeah. I have tried so many games that I would have never played without Game Pass. Honestly, I just finished Echo Generation. Uh, I just started Slay the Spire. Uh, I love the Gears series, and I can have every single Gears game, even the ones I never bought. Like I, I was buying them since three. I bought every single one, but I can go back and play the other ones pretty easily without having to purchase them because I already have Game Pass. So it's it's. It's the best thing ever for me. And if it's not my Xbox, I'm going to my Switch. I'm literally sitting downstairs in my downstairs living room, and I got my Switch hooked up to my TV. Like, waiting for this waiting for this interview, I would have started playing my Switch <laughs> if, if I had to. Right, th- th- there you go. You a Mario Kart guy? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, if anything, I'm more of a Smash Brothers guy. I actually used to play a little bit of uh, – Smash competitively. Uh, I only have one pro tournament appearance, one official pro tournament appearance. Uh, even though I've definitely done some pro tournaments before, and I'm actually pretty decent on the sticks. Uh, we actually have that kind of rivalry going on in the NWA locker room. Uh, one of our uh, top producers, uh, Billy Trask, he likes to think he's good at Smash, and I showed him that he's not. He is <laughs> the worst, absolute trash, boo boo. Uh, PJ Hawks, he definitely. Uh, He's he's avoided these hands for so long, but PJ Hawks knows that these hands are coming. These professional smash hands are coming for him. Wrestling and video games intersecting so much these days. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, I think we could maybe have a NWA Smash tournament one day. You know, perhaps. Maybe. Oh yeah, we need an official one. We need one of those. I mean, if anything, I one of my various, very much side outlier goals is to finally get into a video game. I want to. I want to be like Batista. I want to be like. Uh, I want to be like Batista. I want to be like you know the New Day. They got to be in the Gears games. Why can't I be in like what you know? Once I get my star up, you know, Gears Seven. You know, if they're gonna have a seven, yeah. I don't know if they're gonna end it at six. Hopefully not. I love the Gears games. They can just keep on coming out with them. Every single one was all. All of them are good, no matter what anybody says. They're all good. I'm still playing Gears Tactics right now. It's fantastic. One of, one of my buddies, uh, Paul Lazenby, who's also a, you know, a former pro wrestler. He did all the mocapping for uh, I think it was Gears Gears uh, Ultimate Edition and Gears Four. Lucky, 
see, the only thing I've got to do in video games so far is uh, I got to do a little bit of sound work on the AEW video game. It was just a little bit of, like, last-minute, like, sound work. So just, you know, a couple bumps stomping around, stuff like that, just some sound work there. I mean, if anything, my real passion outside of professional wrestling, because I do have a very big passion for professional wrestling, and that is my number one, that is my baby. More than anything else, that's what I want to do. The only other thing that I might not even might, I would love to do, is voice acting. And if anything, I would love to voice act for a video game that would be amazing. I I could die peacefully and be happy. That after winning the NWA television title and the heavyweight title, then voice acting in a great video game, then I can die. After that, bury me. I'm fine. (laughs) Bro, you're really good on the mic. I think think there's definitely a future for you when it comes to video game voice acting for sure. I know you guys sign NDAs and stuff, not trying to get you in trouble at all, but you did mention the, <laughs> AW, the AEW video game. Can you shed a little light on it? We've heard all these rumors and stuff like that. Anything you're allowed to tell us? Uh, anything we should you, that we could look forward to whenever it comes out? Hey, let's put it like this. Uh, I was a very, very small part of their video game, and if anything, I wish them all the success possible because that means that you guys get to hear all my grunts, stomps, and slams, <laughs> and me falling on the concrete multiple times in the Skyway Studios. While they were recording our sounds, you get to hear that as much as possible. So um, right now, hey, as, as, as far as I know, everything's on schedule. I don't know anything about the game as far as it's going on right now. I'm thinking positively. The more wrestling companies we have, the better it is for the wrestlers. And the more video game wrestling video games are out there for everybody, the better it is for the gamers. And hey, the better it is for the wrestlers because they could interact and get involved with other games, right? Exactly. That's a, that's a segue into more. You have a great game come out, then you have more great games come out. You have more great opportunities. Success in the wrestling business is the most important thing for anybody and everybody, no matter where it's at. What's your most awkward moment as a pro wrestler? This one's fun because this one involves Kyle Davis. This is how I met uh, our ring announcer and somebody who does some of the – he wears some of the most hats in the NWA, especially now, Kyle Davis. Uh, love this guy. So this is our very first conversation with each other. This is the very first episode of uh, – no, actually, I don't think this was the first episode of NWA Power. This is a little bit down the line, I think possibly in the first season. Yeah, it was in the first season. So – um Probably episode three, episode four. Yeah. Anyways, it was the episode where I ended up tagging with Jordan Kingsley. So uh, anybody who's a super duper Matthew Mims nerd, I don't think anybody is right now, but they will be when I become a bigger star. You know, everybody can tell you things you don't even remember. Um, I was supposed to go out there with a set of gear that I had that matched my tag team partners, uh, Migs. Uh, we had these like little black biker shorts that we wore out. They were way too small, but you know, hey, we matched. That's all that mattered. And so uh, I was going to go out there in that for our match, for the, uh, for the match that Jordan Kingsley and I had with the Dawson brothers. Well, I come out, and I'm just wearing those. And like I said, they're a little bit too tight. So, I, hey, TMI, I didn't wear underwear underneath them, so I think you kind of know what's coming now. I'm stretching out in the hallway, like right outside the locker room. And then Kyle Davis, he's like, uh, um, hey, hey, um, I don't, I don't know your name yet. Uh, my name's Kyle. Uh, and I was like, yeah, my name's Matthew. Uh, well, I go by Mims out there or whatever. He's like, yeah, man, it's really nice to meet you. He's like, I know this is kind of weird, but um, you know you got a hole in your ass, right? <laughs> I was like, wait, what? He's like, right in your shorts. I can see right to your did you Did you know that? And I was like, wait, no. Oh, oh my God, I didn't know that. He's like, yeah, uh, I don't I don't know if you're like wrestling anytime soon, but you probably don't want to show the entire crowd your He's like, maybe your fall through you might want to change that and luckily he said that it was literally four minutes to us going out have you learned anything in particular about wrestling gear i feel like that's something a lot of fans don't think about 
you get what you pay for. Usually it's one of the hardest things in professional wrestling. And some people do not understand this. I did not understand this before I get into this business. Getting gear made is one of the hardest things in wrestling. It is harder than wrestling. Actual matches is one finding reputable gear, uh, reputable gear maker, finding somebody who makes good quality gear. And then also finding somebody who makes good quality gear for a good price. And then on top of that, the absolute hardest thing is finding someone who's actually willing to make it for you. So uh, the person that my, uh, made my gear, my current gear that I have now, he also made uh, the trunks that have my name on them, everything like that. Uh, Rick Michaels of Global Wrestling Wear, G Wrestle Wear on, uh, on Instagram. I'm not sure about Twitter. I don't have a Twitter. But um, Rick Michaels, he makes some of the best gear you've ever seen. He's the one who makes all the gear for all the biggest stars, AJ Styles, Charlotte Flair, Camille, Tom Latimer, uh, Nick Aldis. Uh, I'm pretty for sure still ricky starks uh myself included uh he also made a uh, mig's first pair of gear the, the the pair that matched mine there's some pictures on the internet of me and him wearing our matching gear but ever since then my two singlets they've all been made by rick michaels and he makes quality stuff i have learned that you get what you pay for and i pay him good money and he gives me some of the best gear i've ever seen if anything it's probably worth even more than he makes us pay for them I'm not going to lie to you because this is gear that I could probably like run my entire career in and probably never break down on me. Nothing would ever happen with it. That's also taught me the lesson of uh, that lesson you spoke about just a second ago about it being too tight or too loose. Let it be a little bit looser than too tight, especially for what I wear. I don't know about anybody else, but for me, give me a little bit of breathing room down there for my boys. I'm not trying to have one pop out. I'm definitely not trying to, you know, rip any of my stuff. If you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. There you go. Wrestlers watching this, aspiring wrestlers, get good gear, find a good gear maker. Shout out to Rick. I mean, if he's not busy, hit him up. I mean, that's... Oh, hey, Rick is select. He is exclusive. Sometimes <laughs> he doesn't even make gear for me. And hey, it took me a while of like hounding this man uh, to finally get him to make gear for me because you got to be a name. You got to do something important. That's that's one of the first things to let me know. Like, hey, maybe I'm doing this wrestling thing right because Rick is actually willing to make gear for me. <laughs> What's the best wrestling advice you've received up to this point? The best advice anybody can give you is um, kind of two things that go hand in hand. It's less is more. And you can take that in any sense of the meaning when it comes to the wrestling world. And then also, you know, remember the acronym KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. If it gets too complicated, you've gone too far. Keep it as simple as possible so everybody can understand it. You need something that everybody can digest, not just a few people, not just the insiders. You need something simple for everybody because something simple can get a little bit more complicated. You get people on the ride with you, but if you start out complicated, you can only get more complicated. So try as much as possible to always keep it simple. Why should people check out Always Ready, and in particular your match against Tyrus? Easy answer, because I'm in it. <laughs> no, this is going to be the greatest television championship title match of all time. I can guarantee that because I have the confidence. So, uh, or or easiest one ever. Let's say no. Let's scratch all the other stuff. Two big meaty men wrestling. One sentence. There you go. Man. That's all you. Where can fans find you online? Really underscore Mims. So I only named it that just because it really is me. I mean, who else would it be? Uh, on Instagram, I do not have a Twitter because I'm a caveman. And then also, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth. I was like, Twitter? Why do I need that? 
I'm just, I, hey, I'm going to say something stupid and I'm going to be crucified for it, even if it's a joke. Uh, and then I don't really use Facebook like that anymore, but really underscore Mims on Instagram, uh, really underscore Mims on Xbox now. I finally got everything changed over that. Even my my battle net thing for Overwatch, it took forever to change it, but yeah, it is actually really underscore Mims all over again. So, uh, if you need to find me anywhere, really underscore Mims, just just look around. You'll eventually find me somewhere. Excellent. And uh, one more question. Is there anywhere else we could find you next besides Always Ready? Uh, yeah. Uh, the only thing that I know for sure that I can also talk about and I know for a fact I'm going to do is uh, right after Always Ready in the subsequent tapings for NWA Power and then also – the night after, always ready, Knox out, which is still going to be in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm excited for that, too. Um, I'm going to be later on that week in Jacksonville, Florida at the Great American Clash 2, which is going to be under Pope's promotion. Uh, and they're doing it as a charity show for the Love Alive charity, which is Pope's charity. So if you want to donate, you can definitely go to lovealive.org or, uh, you know, you can always go to Pope's profile. Either find a Love Alive on Instagram, you know, you can always find it there and donate. And then also, if you want to purchase a ticket and come on down to the show, if you happen to be in the Jacksonville, Florida area, I would highly recommend that because not only is Pope going to be there, JTG is going to be there. The end is going to be there. That dude, Jamie Stanley is going to be there. And then most importantly of all, big old strong ass Mims is going to be there. That's me. I'm going to be there too. And it's going to be a great show. It's going to be a fantastic show. I'm already really excited for it. If anything, you know, the level of excitement is almost, almost and almost ready because I, I believe in what the Love Live charity wants to do. And I believe in Pope's vision. And if anything, that's one of the biggest things about Pope that I want to emulate is being able to give back to the community. So me having a small part in helping out with those families that are affected that we're going to be helping out in Jacksonville, Florida, is going to be a big deal to me to be there and to be a part of that in whatever way I can. I mean, shoot, I donate my own money to it. So, <laughs> you know, I believe in it. 